If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with us to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15, read verses 1 through 10. Then drew near unto him all the publicans and the sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners, and even eats with them. And he spake this parable unto them, saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness, and go after that which is lost, until he find it? And when he hath found it, he layeth it upon his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and his neighbors, and he say unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you, that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth, more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. Either that woman having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, doth not light a candle, sweep the house, and seek diligently till she find it. And when she hath found it, she calleth her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I had lost. Likewise, I say unto you, Jesus says, There is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. You may be seated. Heaven must, must be an awesome place, a street of gold. River clear as crystal. God will be the light there. And the Bible says there will be no need of the sun. There will be no need of the moon. There will be no pain. There will be no sorrow. There will be no death. There will be no crying. Heaven is where Christians go when death takes over. That's where the soul of the Christian goes. And so we think about that. There is one thing that brings heaven joy. And the Bible says that there is joy over one sinner that repenteth of their sins and comes to Christ. And that's the title, joy over one sinner. I want to give you four reasons why there is joy in heaven even today for one person who repents of their sin and comes to the Lord Jesus Christ. First of all, because of the importance of the soul. The importance of the soul. God saw that the soul was important. In Genesis chapter 2 verse 7, the Bible says that God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. Mark 8, 36 says, What profit of man if he gained the whole world and lose his own soul? You see, the race is on to possess more things of this world. There's nothing that can compensate for the soul of man. Nothing. I'm going to tell you something. We, I said we, I didn't say y'all. We do more things to the body than we do for the soul. They make all kinds of creams and ointments to put on your face to clear up the wrinkles. And just go wash afterwards and you will find that the wrinkles have reappeared. We do all kinds of things to our hair because we want it to look natural. Well, today I believe any color goes, don't you? I said, if God makes me bald-headed, I'm going to buy me three wigs. One red, one white, and one blue. 
But we do all kinds of things. We exercise. We try to eat right. And these advertisements, well, this will make you look like you're in your teens. Bull. They can't make you look like you're in your teens when you lay it in that box stretched out. And I've heard people, they say, you just don't look like yourself. Well, who does he look like? <laughs> hey, if you look at my uh, teenage pictures and look at the one now, he don't look like himself. <laughs> you know, you go to these class reunions and thank goodness they'll put name tags on. And, and, and uh, one year, uh, the, the girls that was in charge of our reunion took our annual and cut out the picture what we did look like. And I'm looking at the picture and I'm looking at the person and hey, something ain't, something ain't right here. I was at a cafe, Caleb and I, we were at a cafe eating and I sat down as I walked in, I saw people and I just, how you doing? And I sat down and this one old boy, every time I'd look up, he'd be staring right at me. I mean, just staring. Directly he says across the restaurant, he said, you don't know me, do you? I said, no, sir, I'm sorry I don't. He said, you don't even remember me, do you? I said, did I bury some of your folk? Oh, no. I said, did I marry some of your folk? He said, never. He said, you don't know me, do you? He said, if it wasn't for me, you'd have never got out of high school. I still didn't have a clue. <laughs> Caleb says, Daddy, Daddy, you hurting I said, yeah, I'm hurting. <laughs> well, and we finished eating before he did, got up, walked over there, and I shook his hand, and I stared in his eyes. I couldn't bring nobody. He said, I'm Mike White. I said, you are kidding. Now, I am not exaggerating. He weighed probably less than I do now in high school. He had gained at least no less than 100 pounds. I mean, he was... I mean, he was the hook, the bear. He played football. And I told him, I said, Mike, I'm sorry. I said, I would have never, ever recognized you. But we do things. I think sometimes we do, we do things to disguise ourselves. I've been told many times, you don't look like a preacher. So I thought I'd try this. One person said, you don't look like a preacher. I said, what does one supposed to look like? He's supposed to have a chicken leg in one hand? I mean, hey, I'm a pastor. Can't you see I'm eating chicken, you know? I said, well, you're just not dressed like a preacher. I said, well, what does one dress like? I mean, she couldn't give me no answers. Couldn't give me any answers either, for those of you who are smarter than I am. Okay. Why is there joy in heaven over one sinner? I'm talking one that would come to God and ask for repentance. First of all, because of the importance of the soul. Uh, we do things to this body to make it look better and to make it last longer. But let me tell you, I had a friend, a high school friend whose wife was in a wreck, and I'm not exaggerating, they kept her, she was in a coma. They kept her on, a, on breathing machines for over a year because he didn't want to say, unplug her. And when they did, she left out of here. But a whole year, 
He agonized. What should I do? This is the wife of my life. What, what can I do? That was the hardest thing to face and to see take place. But we do a lot of things with this body. What do, we do, what do we do for the soul? Let me tell you something. If you're not reading daily, if we are not reading God's word daily, we are starving our soul to death. I didn't say we'd be lost. We are starving our souls to death. Your soul, my soul, needs to be fed. And it's fed on the word of God. It's fed through songs. It's fed through people. Some people avoid the church. They don't want anything to do with the church. They don't want anything to do with with you or I if we have something to do with the church. They don't realize it, but they're starving their soul to death. Secondly, not only because of the importance of the soul, but secondly, joy over uh, one sinner uh, coming for repentance increases heaven's population. Heaven's population. Every soul one to Jesus in, increases that population. Second Corinthians 5, 8. Absent from the body for the Christian is to be present with the Lord. You can't change that. You know, I've, I've been, um, I have been in hundreds, literally, of funerals. I've done hundreds of funerals. And the hardest question I have ever, ever been asked Do you know where he or she is? You say, can you know that, Pastor? You can know it by their testimony. You can know it by the life they live. You can know it. It's important. Joy is multiplied. There are indescribable blessings waiting on the saved. Fellowship with Jesus. Fellowship with family. Fellowship with friends. All waiting over there for all those who have named the name of Jesus and gotten saved. Thirdly, we're talking about why is there joy in heaven over one sinner? Not only because of the importance of the soul and the increase in heaven's population, but also the investment that my Lord Jesus Christ has made for you and for me. On the cross, he shed his blood all of it. And he said, I died once and I died for all. Never, ever to die again. It's a done deal. In fact, on the cross, Jesus said, it is finished. I mean, I can't add anything to it and I sure better not take anything away from it. When he did that work, that was a work that no one else could do but him. Because of the investment of our Savior, Last of all, why is there joy in heaven over one sinner? Because of the importance of man's soul, the destination of it. Because of the increase in heaven's population and because of the investment of our Savior. But last of all, listen. And you're not going to hear this out of every pulpit in America. Why is there joy over heaven over one sinner that repenteth? Because of the reality of hell. Hell is just as real as heaven. Hell is just as real as you breathing and my breathing in oxygen right now. It's real, guys. 
There are people in hell right now who sit on church pews. There are preachers probably in hell that preach behind pulpits. You don't go to heaven because you're a good pew warmer. You don't go to heaven because you preach the word of God. You don't go to heaven because you sing in the choir or teach Sunday school or serve as a deacon or serve on a committee. You go to heaven for one way, and that's the Jesus way. He said, I am the way, the truth, the life, and nobody is going to come to my Father unless they come through me. And so we understand because of the reality of hell. The rich man, by the way, is still there. He's waiting on a drop of water in that parable. In that story that Jesus told of Lazarus and the rich man. He's still there. I walked through the graveyards and noticed, hey, so far back is 1700. And I stand and look at that, the date. They born, the date they died, and their name. And I'm thinking, wonder where they are. Wonder what, what they're doing. They're somebody's loved one. They're somebody's loved one. I'm going to tell you something. If I didn't know whether Lynn was saved or not, I'd be working on her every day. If I didn't know my boys were saved, I'd be working on them every day. Our youngest grandson, Brantley, is four this week. For the first time, he came home from school. And Jennifer says, Brantley, say your Bible verse for granddaddy. Oh, he put the verse out there, the book of the book, and he quoted that verse and then finished it off with where it was found. Four years old. I'm thinking, soak it up. Get all you can get. It's my job when our grandyoungers come to our house for me to flood them with the love of Jesus and share with them what God's doing because God's real. He's no fake. Because of the reality of hell, there's joy over one sinner that repenteth. In your bulletin today, There is a pamphlet. It's a pamphlet about First Baptist Church. If you got a bulletin, you should have gotten one of these. Now listen to me, y'all. I can't do it all. Our deacons can't do it all. It's going to take cooperation of every one of you who are seated and under the sound of my voice today. I beg you this week, Now, don't go home and give this to your wife if she's not here or your husband if he's not here or your brother or whatever. I want you this week, wherever you're going, be praying before you leave home. Lord, I got this pamphlet, and I want to obey you. I don't want you obeying me, okay? I'm just challenging you this morning. I want you to obey God. I want you to pray over this pamphlet. Lord, who needs to get this pamphlet today? It might be at the gas pump of somebody you've never seen before. It might be at the beauty shop, the barbershop, the grocery store, the place where you hang out. But I want to challenge you to give this pamphlet to somebody this week. And just simply say, I'd love to give you this pamphlet. If you're not in church anywhere, we have a wonderful church. And hand it to them. And wait on them. They may say, well, where is your church? Help them open that pamphlet up. Say, here's a map. And explain, look at, get familiar with it, okay? And hey, if they don't know the Lord, 
Here is a, um, uh, on the back, it's God's plan of salvation. But uh, as you turn it over, the schedule of our services, you don't have to wonder what time what starts. It's all right there. But I do. I'm serious. I want to challenge you, including the pastor, okay? I got one too. To pray over it and see who needs this pamphlet this week. Needs invitation this week. Needs to be invited this week. Let me tell you something. We are commanded by God to go ye therefore, Jesus said, and share the gospel. And then hopefully they will come and be baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Jesus was meeting with his disciples. And he said unto them, Behold, when you have entered into the city, there shall a man meet you bearing a pitcher of water. I want you to follow him into the house where he entereth in. And ye shall say unto this good man of the house, The master saith unto thee, Where is the guest chamber where I shall eat the Passover with my disciples? And this man whom you've met with this pitcher of water will show you a large upper room furnished. And I want you to make ready there. And they went and they found just as Jesus had said unto them uh, to prepare for the Passover. And as they went, it was amazing uh, the, the way the things come about in that story is if those two old boys looked at each other and said, are you believing this? This is exactly what Jesus said. He said we'd, find, we'd see a man with a pitcher of water. That is amazing in itself. You don't think Jesus knows everything? He knows your heart and mind right now. He knows what you and I are thinking right now. You can't hide from God. Oh, I might hide from Lynn. She might hide from me. I might hide from you. But we don't hide from God. The Bible says, and when the hour was come, the hour was come. That means when they were gathered in the upper room, 13 of them, 12 disciples, and our Lord Jesus Christ. It says, when the hour was come, he sat down, and the 12 apostles sat down with him. And he said unto them, I I have had a a deep desire to meet with you on this occasion for the last time to have a meal together. It's been my heart's desire. And I'm going to share some things with you, he said, that you're probably not going to understand. But I just want you to go with me as far as you can. He said, I've had this desire to eat this Passover before I suffer. The Bible says that he took the bread and he blessed it. 